Have you ever noticed in life there are very few things that are actually new? You know, we may buy a new car and we think it's a new car, but it's a new to us, but really it's not new. I mean, it was produced somewhere, it was made somewhere, and then there are thousands like it, right? You know, or we buy new clothes and we think, hey, this is new for me, but really it was made in, you know, Taiwan or somewhere and shipped over. Or maybe we go to a new restaurant, but it's not really new. I mean, the restaurant's been there, right? It's just new to us. Or maybe we get some furniture and we refurb it and we think, man, I got this new furniture, but, but it's not really new. In fact, Ecclesiastes says this. It says, there's nothing new under the sun. Ever thought about that? I mean, there's really just there's nothing new under the sun except. I remember uh, 11 years ago when my wife, Lisa, first became pregnant and uh, our first child. And I remember it was just this amazing miracle watching just unfolding before our eyes. And here's Lisa, and, and then I started to see her belly growing, and, you know, we were all this time, we would talk to the baby inside of her, and then being in the delivery room, and, and watching as she gave birth, in this brand new baby, who had never been, right, and now she's here, and there's nobody in the world like her, nobody else, she is unique, she is special, I stood there, and I held her, and I thought, wow, God, only you. See, God is the one who makes things new. God is the one who specializes in new. Welcome back to our series called Brand New. And in this series, we have this theme verse that says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, right? The old is gone and the new has come. That that's what God wants to do in us, birth in us something new, then we started in this series, we talked about how the first step is being redeemed by Christ. Being redeemed by Christ. You know, discipleship begins with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. God created you. But what happened? You and I sinned. Holy God, sinful man. But God didn't give up on us. God sent his son to redeem us. That word literally means to be buy us back. To make us new. As it says in John chapter 3, when, when Jesus was talking with Nicodemus and he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus was like, how's that going to happen? How do I enter back into my mother's womb? Jesus was like, no, 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 that's weird. Okay, man, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about spiritually that you become new, that your life is changed and transformed by the grace of God, that Jesus is the gate by which we enter into God. He is the good shepherd by which we follow. He's the vine which we remain and we grow in God. Last week, Pastor Nick did a great job talking about the fuel of the Holy Spirit. Right? That when you're redeemed by Christ, that God places His Holy Spirit within you. You are a new creation. And God doesn't just leave you alone and say, hey, figure life out and I'll see you in heaven. And God says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing that eternity is to come. And say, you and I, we have a guide, the Holy Spirit. And He guides us, He comforts us throughout life. That you have Christ in salvation Holy Spirit and sanctification. That's discipleship that we are growing. And today then we talk about how we're inspired to grow. We're inspired to grow. I'll never forget being in the hospital room and, and holding grace. And, and so many people love the baby stage. And I mean, I thought it was incredible. I'm holding this baby. But I didn't want her to stay a baby. I, I mean, I knew I loved that time. But I knew that God had more for her. I knew that God had potential for her. That she was going to become something even bigger than this and that's what God wants for us God wants us to grow to mature to become 
spiritually to become all that he has for us. And you and I are inspired to grow. If you have a Bible with you today, I invite you to open with me to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put the words on the screen. Or maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the scriptures online and follow along with us as we unpack the word of God together. Uh, I love this. 1 John's kind of toward the back of the New Testament there. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, written by the Apostle John. And here's what he says in 1st John chapter 2, pick up in verse 12. He says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now what you see in this passage is there's different stages of spiritual growth. Right? There's different stages of spiritual maturity. Now we see that physically, right? We have the baby stage, you kind of become a child, you become a teenager, you become a young adult, you become a mature adult, you know, you become an older adult. You know. We see that physically, but a lot of times we don't think about it spiritually. Spiritually, we kind of think, okay, I've accepted Christ, and I kind of go on, and, you know, I kind of grow a little bit. But there's different stages by which you move and mature. Now, physical age and spiritual age, uh, they don't necessarily correspond. In fact, you could be a 42-year-old spiritual child. And we have people here who are at church, and they've come, and they've heard about the grace of God. And God draws them to himself, and they enter into this relationship with Christ. And they are born Right? They're born again. They come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They are a spiritual child. But you can also be a 25-year-old spiritual father, you know, because you've been walking with the Lord for 15 years. You know, you've been discipling others. You've been pouring into other people. So there's not necessarily a correspondence. But what you see is this, is that there is a call to grow. There is a call to mature. Now look at some of the characteristics of this. Spiritual children, and it's okay wherever you are, but I'd love for you to kind of think about, where am I today? Am I a spiritual child? Am I a young man? My father, where am I and how am I growing? I write to you, dear children, and here's what he says about children. He says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And then he comes back and he says at the end of verse 13, I write to you, dear children, because you have known, because you have known the Father. So what he says about spiritual children is this. Spiritual children, they, they don't know a whole lot, right? They, they don't know biblical hermeneutics or systematic theology. I mean, they, all they know is this. My sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I was dead in my sins and my transgressions. You know, I was far from God. But by the grace of God, I've been redeemed and restored. I don't know a whole lot, but I know this. I know that my sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Praise God for that. It says that they have known the Father. They have known the Father. Maybe you remember when your kids were young and, and they would be scared, they would be afraid, and they would run to you, right? And they would just put their arms up, help me, hold me, Daddy, you know, hold me, Mommy. They didn't know a whole lot else, right? They didn't know, I don't have to be scared of that, the dog's on a leash, it's okay. All they knew is this, I'm going to my mom or my dad, right? I'm going to go there. Spiritual children are like that. I don't know, I don't have all the answers, right? I haven't figured it all out, but I know this. I have a Heavenly Father who loves me. I have a Heavenly Father who loves me. I love that. I mean, every church needs lots of spiritual children. Yeah, because they bring the energy. They bring the joy. They, they, they ask the question, why? You know, this is so fun. And if you're a spiritual child, praise God, you know? 
Praise God that you're here, that you're growing, that you're learning. That's awesome. But God says grow up, right? Don't just stay a spiritual child. Start to mature. Start to grow. So he says, I write to you spiritual children, but I write to you young men. So look at young men and young women. What are the characteristics that we kind of see here? He says, I write to you young men, in verse 13, because you have overcome the evil one. He says at the end of 14, I write to you young men because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. You know what he's saying is at some point you kind of move from being a spiritual child to a, a young man. And the young man, the characteristics are this, and you kind of think in your own mind, is that, is that me? But you're strong. Young men and young women, you know, they're just strong. They're the ones who volunteer for everything. You know, put me in, coach. You know, heck, I'll, I'll do whatever. You know, I'll help great. I'll help usher. I'll help serve. I'll do whatever it is. I'll be the father's son ball. I mean, just put me in. I mean, I, I want to help. You love spiritual young men. I mean, every church needs spiritual young men and you know, spiritual young women who are just willing to do whatever. It says that you're strong. It says that the word of God lives in you. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means this, that you are learning God's word. And when you start to encounter situations, you're going, hey, wait a minute. We, we studied that. Hey, wait a minute. We, we talked about that in community group. Hey, wait a minute. We talked about that on Sunday morning. And, and, and this is how I'm to respond. The word of God lives. It doesn't mean you have all the answers. It doesn't mean you have it all memorized, right? It just means that the word of God is starting to come alive in you. Impacting your life. Impacting the way that you live. The word of God lives in you. And then it says that you've overcome the evil one. Now, what does that mean? That means you don't sin anymore? No. But what it means is this, is that you are starting to overcome those sins that maybe you've habitually done in the past. Right? Before, you would just say, hey, if your spouse said something, you would just get so angry or mad, and you would just fly off the handle. And that's the way you used to respond. You would get angry at your roommates, and you'd be just like, ah. And now you're looking at your life, and you're going, wow, I've been walking with Jesus for two years or five years or ten years. I don't respond the same way. Uh, my initial reaction is not to yell and to scream and to, you know, say cause words. My, my initial reaction is now more, okay, we're going to deal with this. There's more of a peace. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I haven't figured it out. But I'm overcoming the evil one. There is growth. Can you see growth in your life? Can you see maturity happening in you? It says, I write to you spiritual children. I write to you young men. And then there's a third kind of stage of spiritual growth. And he says, I write to you fathers. Fathers. And here's what he says about fathers, right? Verse 13. I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. And he comes back and he says it again in verse 14. I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. <laughs> What's he saying? He's saying fathers have a foundation in the Lord. Now, to be a father, what does that imply? You have children, right? You have children. You, know, you are a father physically when you have children. Spiritually, you become a spiritual father when you have spiritual children. Now, some of those children are your own children, right? You've had the opportunity to, to walk with your children and to, to lead them to the Lord. And it's been amazing. Some of you have had the privilege to baptize your own kids. I mean, there's 
oh, it's no greater joy. It's just awesome. Some of you have led your nieces or your nephews. Some of you have taught in preschool and children and students. And you've had kids accept Christ. And you've mentored. You've decided. Some of you are community group leaders. And you're discipling a group of people. And you're pouring into them. You have moved into being a spiritual father. And just like physically, when you become a father, and maybe you go, you know, I'm standing in that hospital room and Grace is born. I'm like, I'm not ready to be a dad. I don't know. I have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. I haven't read all those books. You know, what do you do with this and that? And, you know, but it was too late. I'm, I'm in it. You know, I am the father. I have got to step into that role. For many of us, when we move in to being the spiritual father, it doesn't mean we have all the answers. It just means that we're stepping into that role of being a spiritual father or spiritual mother. And many of you, you're there, right? You're there. You're stepping into that. And God says, that's great. That's awesome. Now, as a spiritual father or mother, you continue to disciple. You're discipling your kids or your nieces or your nephews. You're discipling your community. You're discipling. But you continue to grow deeper in your own relationship with the Lord. Now, you don't lose these other characteristics, right? You still keep that joy and energy of that spiritual child. You, you still, you know, keep that fervor of serving. But there is a maturity that should be happening in your life and in my life. And as you look at your life, can you see that unfolding? Can you see that growth happening? You know, when Grace was bored, I, I can remember sitting on the couch and feeding her a bottle. Being like three in the morning going, oh, I'm so tired, Lord. You know? But I just, just fed her this bottle and just feeding her this bottle and feeding her this bottle. And, but praise God, she grew out of that stage, Right? And she grew into the stage where they had this strained spinach stuff and these peas. And, and I got to the point where I took the little spoon and she would sit in the high chair. And I go, you know, there's a plane coming through. And then she would open her mouth. And then she would close right at the last moment. Boom, you know, food everywhere. I'm like, ah, you know. But, but she moved into eating more of this solid food. And then she kept growing. Praise God, she moved out of that because of that kind of stage, you know. But she moved in where she loved barbecue. I mean, it was just like some of the finer things of life she got to experience. I'm just so thankful that she didn't just stay a baby or a little kid eating strained spinach. I'm thankful that she grew. And the same thing God wants for you. God wants you to mature. God wants you to hunger for the things of Him. How do you grow spiritually? Well, look over in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It goes along with our core value there. But it says this, Therefore, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies. <laughs> Word of God, right here, boom. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's break that down. It first of all says, therefore. Anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to say, What's it there for? Well, it goes back and it ties in to 1 Peter chapter 1. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, the apostle Peter is talking about the word of God. He says, the living and enduring word of God, for all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So therefore is referring to the word of God. So if you were to grow physically, it's by eating food. It's the nourishment, right? Spiritually, this is your nourishment. 
Spiritually, this is how you grow. This is how you become. And, and you and I, therefore, and it says, therefore, rid yourselves. And there's five sins that are listed there. It says, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Now, these sins of attitude are, are the sins that impact community. Notice that. Why? Because spiritual growth happens in the context of community. And so malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, all of those are destroy community. But you and I grow in community. And so the Apostle Peter comes along and says, hey, guys, 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 listen. It's the Word of God, but rid yourselves of things that are going to destroy community. Because spiritual growth happens in the context. Jesus took 12 men, right? He lived in community. You and I are designed to be in community. You and I learn here in worship. We learn in community groups. We learn in community as iron sharpens iron. And so you rid yourselves of things that destroy community. And then he says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. Crave it. Let me ask you this. Do you crave the word of God? I don't love that word, crave. I mean, it's like hunger, right? Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. This is the pure spiritual milk. This is what you grow in. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation. And then I love that last phrase. He says, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. See, once you get a little taste of God, you want more, don't you? And once you get a little taste of what God's doing in your life, or what you see God doing in the world, or what you see God doing through you, you're like, I want more of that. That is nourishment. That is awesome. And I think so few people out there want, want more of God because they really haven't tasted yet. But man, when you taste, you're just like, wow. I want more of him. It says, grow, grow, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Grow in your faith. Grow in your walk. You, you think about this. Spiritual growth happens kind of like physical growth. When, when you were a baby, somebody had to feed you, right? I mean, you're not three months old going in there and fixing a bottle. You're kind of crawling out of your crib and getting down and putting it in the microwave, you know, get a little warmer thing. You know, you're not doing that. Somebody's feeding you as a spiritual child. And that's okay. Right? I mean, you need to be fed. I need to be fed. We need to be fed. But there comes a point where you learn to feed yourself. And spiritually, there comes a point where you start to say, hey, wait a minute. I can read this. You know what? This makes sense. God's speaking to me. And you can get up in the morning or at night and you start reading the word of God. And you maybe you're reading through the Psalms, you're reading through Matthew, you're reading through John. You're like, wow, God is speaking to me. And it's part of learning to feed yourself spiritually. That doesn't mean we, we still gather, we still learn, we still need to be fed. But, but there's a part where you start to mature. And then what happens, right? You're being fed and learning to feed yourself. But there comes a stage where you start to feed others. Where you start to pour into others. It doesn't mean you have all the answers, but you're going, I can tell my kids about this. This is awesome. Psalm 51, I, I've never read that before. That's great. Hey, guys, come here, come here, come here. I want to tell you guys about this. You know, I, I can start pouring into somebody else. I can start investing in somebody else. And that's where you see growth happening. I can teach preschool. I can teach children on Sunday mornings, right? I can maybe lead a community group. I'm scared to death, but I can maybe step out and do that because, see, God's teaching me, and I can start to teach others.
And everybody will tell you when you start to teach is when you learn the most, isn't it? Because you're studying, you're preparing, you're praying. You're like, this is incredible. And so God's saying to all of us, hey, start to see where you are. Evaluate where you are. Am I a spiritual child? Young man? It's okay wherever you are. But then God's saying, how are you going to grow? Because there's a world out there that doesn't want you to grow. You know, we have an enemy that wants us to stay where we are and to get distracted and not become all that God wants us to be. If you keep going in 1 John, 1 John, when we were there, verses, chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, if you go to verse 15, it says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man... The lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. See, there's some things that will keep you from growing. There's some things that will keep you from maturing in your faith. And, and he, it says right here, the things of the world, right? He says, the cravings of sinful man. Isn't it interesting, that word craving? It, it was there in 1 Peter chapter 2, right? Crave the word of God. And then here it says, the cravings of sinful man. So I have to ask, what do you crave? What do you crave? Is it attention? Is it money? You think money, man, if I would have won the Powerball deal, all my problems would have been solved, right? You know? Or is it the word of God? What do you crave? See, the cravings of sinful man, and if you start to look at your life and you go, wow, man, I used to crave this, and I still want some of that, but, but there's a progression here. This is the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes. Lust means I must have it now. And we think about lust a lot of times in the, in the sense of the sexual or the sensual, and that's for sure. Boy, pornography, and it's going to stunt your growth, I've got to tell you. But lust also can mean materialism. It can also mean, man, I just can't stop spending. And you go more and more into debt, and you're spiraling out of control because the lust, i got to have it now. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes. And then it says, the boasting of what he has and does. What do you boast about? What do you take the most pride in? And sometimes we can fall prey to the things of the world and kind of boast about our career or our job or our house or car or whatever else. And yet, here's what God says in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Isn't that awesome? And God says, if you're going to boast about anything, boast that you know me. <laughs> boast that you have a relationship with me. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. The man who does the will of God lives forever. And you and I have this call to know God, to grow in Him, 
to mature in Him. So how do we grow? I mean, what are some practical steps that we can look at our lives and say, hey, I want to grow in 2016, right? I want to mature. I want to grow in my spiritual walk. Well, there, there's some ways that we can help. And maybe one for you is starting point. You know, starting point's a great opportunity. If, if you're just a new believer, or you're a spiritual child, or maybe you haven't accepted Christ yet, as God's drawn you to himself, you know, but you've got questions, come check it out. You know, it starts next week. Uh, maybe for you, you you're kind of saying, hey, you know what, I want to learn more. I'm a spiritual child. Get into a community group. Find a place where there's other believers who can walk with you, who can study the word together. Maybe for you, you're saying, how do I learn how to feed myself? Hey, on our website, there's a great place called The Daily Step. And we take a biblical passage each week, you know, or each day from the Old Testament and the New Testament. You start to read through it and you learn. And it takes about 10 or 15 minutes. And each morning, you're going to pray and you're going to read God's word. And you say, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm maturing. And maybe for you, maybe for you, you're saying, hey, it's time for me to move from being a young man to, to maybe a spiritual father, and I need to serve. I need to find a way to, to, to invest in preschool and children or students, or I need to lead a women's Bible study or a men's Bible study, or I need to lead a small group. You know, I need to get involved some way, somehow, where I'm giving back. Maybe for you, you're a spiritual father. And you look and you go, hey, there's an opportunity to go to Israel. And to walk where Jesus walked. I mean, this is like seminary level kind of stuff, man. I want to go. I want to be there. I want to learn. It's great. But grow. Right? Don't grow complacent. Grow. Figure out some way that God is calling you to take a next step in your journey. Immature. And there's a world that doesn't want you to. And you can quench the spirit, right, as the Bible says. You can quench the spirit. How do you quench the spirit? Through disobedience. I mean, there may be something God's been talking to you about for a long time, and you're just kind of like, no way, God, no way, God. And God's going, well, until you're obedient in this area, it's going to be hard for me to call you to go deeper. You know, I mean, if you're still wrestling over here with, you know, baptism, or you're still wrestling over here with just trusting me and serving that God's going I've got bigger plans for you but you've got to be obedient in the small steps you've got to start to trust me that's when you start to see your spiritual life coming alive and you're scared to death you're like oh, I kind of you know, like my deal right now God you know I got a little bit of you and I got a little of the world but you know God's going no 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 I got bigger plans for you I got bigger plans trust me follow C.S. Lewis said, you're, you're never too old to set another goal or dream a new dream. You don't stop growing. You know the Apostle John was 95 years old when he wrote 1 John? 95. Now, if I'm John, I would have been like, dude, it was awesome being a disciple of Jesus, walking with Jesus for three years. I'm kind of good. You know, I mean, that was, that, was, that was enough for me. And God's going, that's not enough. And John, I still got more plans for you. I still got an even incredible purpose for you. People 2,000 years later will be studying this letter. <laughs> really? Yeah, trust me. Step out. See, in the hospital that day when I'm holding Grace, and it was so sweet and so special, but I could look at her and say, God's got a big plan for you, Grace. And I love this baby stage. And I want to hold on to you, but, but you know what? You're going to grow up. And maybe one day... <laughs> You might be holding a baby in your own arms. And maybe one day, you know what, you might have nieces and nephews. And maybe one day, 
You're going to be teaching and you're going to be training them. And I want you to experience that. And God says, I want you to experience that. Uh, as many of you know, um, this week my, my dad went home to be with Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, it's been kind of a, a tough time lately. Um, my dad fell on New Year's Eve and he, and he broke his uh, hip. And on New Year's Day he had hip surgery and uh, just never came out of it. So we were five days in CCU and then six days in hospice and um, some of you guys know um, and what it's like for a, a parent to pass on so uh, it's interesting for me because I'm usually on the other side you know trying to pray with you and for you and walk with you and and yet church you've been amazing and I want to tell you how much I thank you how much I love you uh, you guys have been praying and um, sending texts and writing notes and all kinds of ways of just ministering to me and my family during this time but I've been able to watch my dad all my life, you know, and I'm proud of him. My dad, uh, he grew up on a farm in Mississippi, and, you know, he said, I was doing everything he could to get off that farm, because that was a lot of work. But he had a fun time and good stories, but he went off to college, then went into the Air Force. After being in the Air Force, the Air Force took him to Texas, where he met my mom. And my dad says, you know, that was the best thing that ever happened to me, you know, meeting your mom. He loved my mom married 58 and a half years. He just loved her. He'd always tell me, you know, Jeff, she's the prettiest woman I've ever seen in my life, you know. Uh, way to go, Dad. My dad, uh, when he was in Texas, though, he met Jesus. And Christ changed his life. Just transformed him. My dad goes, you know, that was my old life. And then I met Christ, and my life has forever changed. And my dad loved Jesus. I'm telling you, he just loved Jesus. I would see him at night, you know, kneeling down by his bed, uh, praying. Uh, I would see him reading the word. I remember being in, in middle school, and you know how sometimes you go through those rebellious times, like, Dad, I don't know if I want to go to church. My dad was like, are you kidding? If you live in this house, we're going to church, you know. <laughs> this is what our priority is. We're going, and, and I'm forever grateful. When we were in a hospice this past Sunday, we watch church online and so we set up the computer and we were around my dad's uh, bed and we're watching church and and just having this incredible time with the Lord and, and my mom my sister and I were praying and we're reading scripture the hospice nurse came in and she goes you guys just write what you watch and she was like y'all are Christians aren't you like yeah you know and she goes I've been in so many rooms where people don't know Jesus and she goes there's just no hope and it's it's depressing and she goes, yet I come in here and, and there's hope. And I said, I know, I know. And as it says in 1 Thessalonians, we don't grieve as people who have no hope. Now we grieve. Oh, we grieve. It's hard. But we don't grieve as people who have no hope. Because I know I'm going to see my dad again. I, I know I will. And I'm so thankful. I don't know how people make it through these kind of times without Jesus. I really don't. Because Christ and Christ alone is our hope. But I don't know how people make it without community. Um, my parents' community group, you know, my parents moved here three and a half years ago. My dad, they were in Texas for 40 years. And they were, a, my dad was a deacon at, at church for 40 years. And then they moved here three and a half years ago. And, and my parents are like older than everybody here by like 30 years, you know. Uh, but they would come in and just 
sit in the back, the 11 o'clock service. Um, sit right back there. My dad on his walker, and my mom, and I'll never forget. I mean, they came, they moved here, and they're like, we're going, we're going there. We're going to Rolling Hills. And they loved it. They loved you. They loved being here. Uh, my dad, uh, my dad was a spiritual father. He was a spiritual father to me. You know, he raised me in the Lord, but he never stopped growing. He never stopped serving. He never stopped just saying, okay, God, what do you want to do through me? How can I give back? How can I make a difference? And I always appreciate that. My dad was my hero. You know, I mean, we live in a world where we fall after cultural heroes, and yet, you know, so many times where they just, they just fail. But my dad, my dad, he believed in me, and he loved me, and I'll be forever grateful. If I've learned anything over the past couple of weeks that I can just encourage you, it's this. Number one, listen, make the most of your time. You guys, life is a vapor. I'm telling you, it goes so fast. And we're looking at pictures, right, of my dad's life, and I'm just like, whoa. We had a big memorial service in San Antonio yesterday. It was packed out, like 500 people there. And all these people coming up to me going, Jeff, I taught you when you were four years old, you know, at Sunday school and all this. I'm like, thank you, you know. And so, but, but listen, it just goes fast. Make the most of the time. Please invest in what matters. It's so easy to get caught up following the world. It's so easy to get caught up in that. But you can't take it with you. You can't. You know what you take with you is Christ. Invest in what matters. Hey, secondly, please listen, love your family. You, you guys love your family. For all of you who are husbands here, love your wives. Love them well. Please love your kids, love your nieces, and love your nephews. You know, your family's going to be there, right? Your church family is going to be there. Don't get distracted in everything that the world Love well. And the third thing is this, please, get this right. Make sure that your life is right with the Lord. Every one of us is going to die. We don't like to talk about it. I mean, we're all young here. We're all like, you know what, I got a long time for that. But the fact of the matter is this, every one of us is going to die. And we're all going to stand before the Lord one day. And he's going to ask us two questions. And the first he's going to say is, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? And we're all going to have to give an answer. And it's not our parents' faith. It's not our church. It's us. What did we do? Did we receive Christ? As God was drawing us to himself, did we say, yes, it's about Jesus and the second thing he's going to say is this. He's going to say, what did you do with what you were given? Did you just try to build your own little kingdom over here? Did you just try to amass a bunch of stuff? Or were you generous? Did you love? Did you invest for the glory of God? And every one of us is going to have to give an answer. And my dad has heard those questions. And I believe with all my heart, my dad has heard Jesus say to him, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Welcome in. And I'm going to miss my dad. I tell you, I love my dad. 
My dad believed in me, you know, all the time. He just, I love him. But my dad is more alive today than he's ever been. And my dad is dancing in heaven. I believe my dad is going to be at the gate. When you get there, he's going to give you a giant bear hug. He's going to say, welcome, Ed. It's better than you could have ever imagined. It's awesome. You get to be worshiping Jesus. 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 I don't know where you are today. But I know this. My, my God is here. And God loves you. My dad is home with him. And I long for you and I to live life to the full. That when Jesus was born in us, it wasn't just for us to stay small. It was for us to achieve all that God has for us. And so are you growing? Are you becoming? I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Just for a moment. Right where you are, right where you sit. Where are you? Where are you spiritually today? Be honest. Be honest. And how are you going to grow? How are you going to invest in what really matters? (sighs) Father God, I I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you, God, that you love us more than we even love ourselves, Father. And that, God, you birthed us for a reason and for a purpose. It's to know Christ and to make him known. God, thank you for my dad. (laughs) And thank you that he is a part of that great cloud of witnesses along with a lot of people here, their parents or grandparents who are up there cheering us on. And God, I pray that we wouldn't get distracted with the world, Father, that we would invest in what really matters. I pray that our lives would reflect Christ. Give us a hunger for your word, for your truth. Give us a call to community and a call to grow deeper in you. Father, we commit our lives to you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we respond. Amen. Amen. I just want to invite you to stand together. and We're going to have a time of response. Just if you stand up wherever you are, I just invite you. And, or Greg's going to play. And I just want to invite you to keep praying if you want to. And we're going to have some of our A6 guys, some spiritual leaders, just move to the sides. Or you can use this as an altar. But, but guys, where are you? Spiritually. Where are you? And maybe there's some unresolved sin in your life and you just say, hey, somebody pray with me for this. Maybe there's some, some cracks in the foundation of your marriage. Maybe, maybe in your life there's an area where you're just saying, you know what, I, it's time for me to grow. Maybe it's baptism. You know, I don't know what it is. But right now, can we just worship and pray and respond back to a God who loves us?